This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 137 of the Stay Serious Podcast. I am Ben and Gaz is with me as always. Are you well my good man? I'm sleepy, it's nearly the middle of the night. (laughs) It's 5 to 8 Gary. Five to eight, we're recording. Five to eight. Yeah. Prin- Princess Ben had a sofa to move, so let's let's not get into it. But I I was doing a good thing for somebody else, and I've ended up really hurting myself as a result of it. So we'll move on. Um, but yeah, uh, as I said to guys, literally just before we started recording, um, I've. I've actually injured myself tonight, so I've taken some pretty strong painkillers, which will probably kick in about halfway through the podcast. So, what are they? Um, I've got some paramol and a couple of strong ibuprofens. So, I know it's not as strong as your shit. Strong painkillers, <laughs> Jesus. Well, you know, it's cocodamol. Do you know what? Actually, I put um, obviously I put on Twitter that I also I put my back out on Sunday. I was in that much pain Monday. I've got some tramadol left over kicking about, so I took a tramadol and I could still feel it the next day. My my threshold for uh, narcotics has definitely gone down. Ah, that could be a cheap night out then. <laughs> That's not my thing, Ben. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you're suggesting there, but. <laughs> A bit wider the mark. You must be thinking of somebody else. Well, you know, I don't know. It's just, just a, just a suggestion. I don't know. So, you know as well as me, I do not go out. Well, no, that's very true, actually. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, you know, it's been, it's been a, a another uh, difficult week, I guess, for the Imps. Um, if you kind of look at, you know, the league games, obviously. Um, it's it's been a bit of a tricky one. I think we're going to touch on Saturday, um, but not dwell on it too much. But it was, uh, yeah, it was it was a sucker punch at the start, and then I think they really failed to to capitalise on anything after that. Really, didn't we? It was. Um, I mean, am I right in thinking that the 
Wickham only had one shot on target throughout the entire game and it was their goal. It's funny you should say that um, because my point was just about to be that was a game that we should have won. Um, yeah. Because they had one shot on target. You're <laughs> quite right. Yeah. 14 shots, one on target. I mean, we, we dominated possession, which doesn't win you points. Um, but the, that was really the only difference. It really was. It's The thing is, you don't win football games if you can't defend. Um, their our XG was one, so we were expected to score a goal, uh, and we didn't. Their XG was one point four eight, but I think a majority of that came um, from their goal. Mm. And yeah, you know, I'm not going to say it's indefensible um, because I'm not prone to um, outlandish. Yeah, I was going to say hyperbole, but I wasn't sure whether I was going to pronounce it right or not because for many years I used to pronounce it how hyperbole. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, is that is I'm that not, the uh, is that the one that you you compete in after you've won the Super Bowl? Yeah, no, it's the one beforehand. <laughs> you think <laughs> you think hyper's worse than better than Super? And um, no, uh, you know, uh, but at the end of the day, in a, in a division like this, and against a team like Wickham, who who three four one two, you know, if they want to, that's almost like seven players between you and and the eighteen yard box. You ain't going to break them down. And mm. when you consider that taking away. Um, well, not taking away anything, but in league fixtures, no player other than Anthony Scully has scored a league goal for us since the seventh minute of the first game so far. Mm. So when you're struggling for that clinical edge and you give a team like Wickham Wanderers a 1-0 defeat, I'm afraid you lose all day long. Um, yeah. and, and it came off the back of another game, which was on a nice edge. You know, Bolton, it only needed the ball to fall into the right person in the area for us and we win that game and not lose it. So actually, we've come away with no points from two games where probably we deserved two points. Uh, but realistically, we could have taken six. You know, we, we weren't outplayed in those games. So but, you, know, you can't defend like that. And I saw a lot of criticism of Liam Bridcock giving the ball away. And it was the same sort of criticism that came on Tom Pett when he gave the ball away and we got beat at Peterborough a few years ago. Giving the ball away happens in football. Yeah. Mistakes happen in football. But the fact I mean, is I, when he's he's when I, he's given that ball away in the position he has, there's still plenty of opportunity to stop that goal. Yeah, I mean I think he was fouled as well in the in the run up, but you know, in, in the build up to the behind that. Sorry? I'm not hiding behind that. Well, no, but you know, I think in in addition to a mistake it, it's you know it was also foul but it it just seems to be another sloppy goal that that you know I think that is the only way the only word to describe it. it it was sloppy and it was unfortunate and you know I don't think that this is going to be indicative of what happens throughout the season um whether it's a case of you know players maybe just still being a bit rusty not having the, the pre-season that they wanted to have I think things are just getting into the point where they're, you know, seeming like they're going to click. And it was, yeah, you know, I, I don't want to be sitting here and, and slagging anybody off because that's not, you know, that's not what I, I like to do. But it was it was just an unfortunate game. I think Stockdale made a couple of excellent saves. There was a couple that were fired right at him, but he made, you know, some acrobatic moves to to look like he'd, uh, he'd, he'd pulled off some wonder saves. Um and there was also the, I think, I think he, he sort of said afterwards, but it was like a cross come shot from Anthony Scully that just crept wide. That I think Dan uh, Lundlew, I think would either just got a touch to or didn't quite. But 
you know, it was it was just a frustrating day. Um, and like you say, when you go one nil down to a team like Wickham that basically had, had thrown a number of people behind the ball, you're not going to get anything from it. And no matter how hard you try and, you know, knock at the door, nobody's going to answer it for the rest of the game. So it was uh, it was just a frustrating afternoon. Um, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be one that's standing there and you know, ranting and raving, shouting and screaming to, to make, you know, make multiple changes and you know drop the keeper and all the rest of it because it's yeah you know we're not prone to hyperbole so um, the keeper Delican is as much to blame for that goal as Josh Vickers is and I've just watched it back so we've got Josh Vickers Josh Griffiths not Josh Vickers Jesus Christ <laughs> that's because you're making me record at midnight um <laughs> Yeah, Josh, uh, Josh Griffiths. Uh, you, you actually watch it, and, and to be fair, I think it was something maybe Pete pointed out to me on the phone as well that Regan Paul's been left in no man's land because he's got two people to deal with. He goes to track the runner, and Adelican hasn't gone down to close the cross, um, and so that's when the cross comes in, and then it's just frustrating. And you you touched on their saves. Actually, our best chance I think fell to Teddy Bishop, and he did everything right, and Stockdale's just made himself big. Yeah. Uh, and made a good save and you know there's there's two moments there where a game turns and and i know it's ifs and buts but if bishop beats stockdale and if we close the cross down early on early doors we win that game one nil and everyone's saying what a hard-fought victory it is yeah um i am happy that we're getting shots on target um mm-hmm. eight to eight shots four on target against wickham okay it was fewer shots than them but but arguably you could say more dangerous shots and we actually didn't give the ball away as much as you might think we had 139 losses through the course of the game uh, and they had 138 so and that's not just giving the ball away that's kind of losing 50 50s and stuff like that but yeah yeah in fairness actually the thing they were just you know they were just a little bit sharper and a little bit quicker um and a little bit more resolute when they got their goal so it is what it is yeah and yeah i think it was it was one of those where like we've said before we're coming the kind of team that if they do get that early goal or if they do get you know get the noses in front they're not going to let people get back into the game as you know as hard as people want to try so, um, but I do disagree with one thing. I am a man who thinks that there needs to be changes from that team. Um, oh yeah, I'm not, um, I'm not saying that they, you know, I'm not saying that they need to be, they don't need to be changes. But I, I just don't think, you know, people completely losing their mind and saying, oh, there needs to be wholesale changes, and we need to, you know, everything needs to be, you know, changed, and it's just people overreacting. That's what wound me up. I didn't see that. Obviously, I don't follow the same people as you. I'm obviously more selective about who I follow. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was going to be some sort of witty quip there. No, mate, I, no. <laughs> but no, um, no yeah, I mean, no, I, it, to be honest, I've muted an awful lot of people, and I don't go on Facebook. I don't look at banter, Link City banter anymore um, after a game because I know that. You know, some people are right wing, some people are left wing, and I sit in the middle and I don't want to read extreme right or left views. I don't want to read happy clappers uh, and I don't want to read other you know, people as well. And I certainly don't want to read people arguing about whether you can be critical or not. And I think after the game, I put something on about you know, let's not jump on an England under 21 goalkeeper because I don't think his error cost us um, the goal. It wasn't a direct error, but 
apparently that's an, I don't know. I, I got shot down from both sides, so a lot more people went on mute. No, I mean, yeah, there's that, and there's also uh, you know making sure that the true fans get their voice heard, the you know, the, the the non-plastic true fans. <sighs> Those of you that have seen my social media know what that's all about, but uh, just yeah, I uh, haven't. You're still on mute. Morons, <laughs> dick, absolute dick. <laughs> And I know I'm not on mute because you replied to me on a few things. <laughs> I know because I texted you about Saints Row. So. You did, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. You know what? I, I, I did see that. I did see uh, the, the whole true fans thing. Um, and I also remember at Bolton looking across at the the stand and seeing numerous empty seats. At this moment in time, there is no problem whatsoever with people getting tickets. The only games I can remember at all that there's ever been a problem with tickets, I think... Arsenal, some people struggled, but we still had 9,000. So my argument is the true fans got, got tickets for that. Ipswich away was probably the big one, wasn't it? Well, the ones that had been mentioned to me were um, Arsenal away, you know, where we were given 9,000 tickets that were limited to season ticket holders due to Arsenal's process. Um, there was, uh, what was the other one that was mentioned? Was uh Burnley away again, limited by Burnley's process. Yeah, Two thousand, didn't it? That was yeah. There was yeah. you know not that many there, and uh, Wembley, which was um, a limited capacity game, which didn't actually sell out, and some of the seats went on general sale. So I can't really see the point they were trying to make there, but to move on. Yeah, it's just you know. I don't actually know who's behind that account. Uh, I, I, I've seen it on your social media, but it's never popped up on Facebook for me. So, Yeah, well, it, it did for me, and that's where I saw it. And, yeah, it's just people who want to hide behind extremely thin veils and make digs and, you know, if you don't like, you know, if you don't like people, just be honest and just say, you know, oh, hey, by the way, I'm going to be really racist on this page. And that's what it's about. Like, just just be honest, you know. You don't have to put hey, any veils on. <laughs> Sorry, I was just about to be honest, but no, carry on. Asshole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, you know that that was that was by the by. But let's move on to Tuesday because um, you know a game that I think it sounds like the club didn't necessarily want. Um, a game that I know Michael didn't necessarily need with the you know the, the limitations of the squad, and um, a game that I think a lot of people didn't really bother with. I mean, I, I of course with my uh, MUFC TV subscription saw it for free, Gaz. Um, yeah. Before you get that in there, um, but you know, no, I didn't. I didn't see the game. I saw the highlights and I saw you know the reports and sort of a couple of other video clips, and it sounds like we were you know, actually quite an impressive outfit on the night. But you, you kind of expect that when you're playing an under-21s team. And you said it multiple times on social media that it, it was it was basically men against boys. Um, which, again, you, you come to expect in this competition. But, um, you, you know, running out 3-2 winners, um, Anthony Scully getting a hat-trick and then coming off late with what seemed to be an injury but he confirmed afterwards wasn't um but i think the main thing to take away from this is the injury situation because we had dan uh, dan lundaloo come off um michael said after the game that there were 11 players injured i don't know if that included dan um 
or not. But yeah, we're what three weeks into the season. We've done Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and already we're looking like we're potentially going to have a bit of an injury crisis. It's it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, there's quite a lot to cover there, actually. Seem to have covered the game well for someone that didn't watch it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so um, anyway, yeah, I mean, look, let's go back to going back and pick up the game first of all. I, I didn't go, but I did watch it on iFollow. Um, in the yeah, if Lincoln are playing on iFollow, I'm going to watch it. But at the end of the day, I, I didn't have a desire to go and watch an under 21 side. I didn't go and watch the Wolves under 21 game when we played them. Um, you know. If we get to a later stage of the competition, I'll go. I'm not a boycotter. I don't have any. I don't have a fundamental problem with this competition. I just don't want to go and watch us play Man United kids. And I know some people don't like me saying that it's kids, it's youth or whatever. It's a kids team. It's not their under 23 team. There was lads come on. I think who was 16 years old. And if you don't describe 16 year old as kids, you're wrong. So, um, and yeah, with. Even though it's what it is, we say men against boys, you know, these are not meant to just be, these are not just kids, these are not 11 players that you've just gone down the park and kicked their ass at football. Um, these are the, the best footballers in the land. And there was only one uh, full international. I don't think Anthony Scott has played, has he yet? Full international. So there was only one full international on the uh, pitch, um, and that was Hannibal Medry, Medby, Medbury, Hannibal, we'll call him. Um, <laughs> so that was Hannibal. He's a full international. He's played for Tunisia three times. So, yeah, it, it was meant to be a challenge, but the two styles are what contrasted Man United playing lots of sideways passes, lots of under-23 football or under-21 football, rather, and us just playing better football. And yeah. financially, for the first hour, we were sensational. Uh, we we played great football. I think we'd had 11 shots in the first half with six on four, five or six on target, and, and they'd had four with none on target. Uh, we'd just been rampant. Um, Remy Longdon had one cleared off the line. Obviously, Scully got his his brace. Uh, Dan on Lundaloo could have had one as well. It was some just we just looked so good. It was just basically Lincoln City from last season. You know, absolutely purring as we do in this competition. You know, and I'm thinking Mansfield and I'm thinking Accrington. You know, where we just look streets ahead. Mm. Where on the left we've got Roadrunner. I mean, Cohen Bramwell. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, and then yeah, like you say, we we scored our third. Uh, Scully got our third not long after I think he started limping away. Mm-hmm. Dan Lundaloo missed an absolute sitter. I mean, I'm talking. I did, yeah, I saw that actually. Four yards out and put it wide. Uh, and then he had a, a decent shot save, which last Sorensen then one on one just after he had come on missed. Um, keeper saved it as well. So it could have been 5 0. And uh, unfortunately, it wasn't. And then um, we'd already made our two substitutions. Dan Onundalu, as you say, injured. Scully was precaution, I think. I don't think Scully's injured. Um, I think he's yeah, just. Yeah, he, he said as much in the in the post match. Right, it, it was yeah. just it was just cramp. So yeah, it's not too uh, bad. With Dan, he did he didn't look comfortable. He stopped running straight away. Um, I think the eleven injuries. I mean, uh, yeah, I think you have eleven injuries if it's an EFL trophy game. I think if it's a football league game, you've got far fewer. Um, and again, it's a conversation I had earlier today, whereby those, you know, there's two very different levels there. Would Liam Bridcott have played? Certainly, he was. He was probably the one that was fit. But you've got Adam Jackson, you've got Hakeem Delican. Um, I'm not sure about Teo Edden, but they're players that, if that's a league game, they play. But it's EFL trophy, so they don't. Um, but at some point, you have got to ask the question: Why so many injuries? Yeah. You know, mm. I, I read a great article a while back about there's no such thing as 
bad luck with injuries. Mm. Um, you, you can have a little negative luck. You can have the odd one or two injuries. But if you're getting 10 or 11 piling up, something somewhere is is a miss. Now, whether that's your transfer policy from, from signing players who are injury prone, whether it's you know the training, whether it, I don't know, but I, I don't think you'll find we've got 11 injuries on Saturday. That's all I'll say. I think it was more a statement. You know, Michael has got form going for going into these games with a handful of substitutes, uh, and that's what we did. So heaven knows how we used to manage when you were only allowed two substitutes. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, I think that's it, it's an interesting point that you've made, and it's something that I've I've thought about as well. But obviously, you know, this this last season um was a bit more full on i think you know with it being um with it being a little bit shorter and having saturday tuesday basically every week for for long chunks of it um it, it put a lot of strain on on clubs and i think we saw it not just with ourselves but a lot of clubs started to have that um the, the kind of mini injury crises through the season and it was something that you know we never saw and I'm, I'm, I apologise, but I'm going to use the forbidden name. But it was something that we never saw during the, the Danny Cowley era. You know, we 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 praised the medical staff because we didn't seem to have that many injuries. You know, we you look at the likes of Neil Erdley. You know, he came in, he was known for being injury prone and having problems, but the the medical staff kind of seemed to help guide him through that and and make him. Um, a better player for it and I don't know what's necessarily changed if anything but it's it was definitely something that's come to my mind as well so we'll have to see what happens you know like you said going down the line um, if that is going to be something for you know the the, the games that in the EFL trophy you wouldn't necessarily or you would have the injuries that you wouldn't have in the league and stuff like that but what I think I would say is I think you've got to look to a degree at the transfer policy and certainly not being critical of it. But, mm. you know, we did have a habit under uh, with Danny of making quite big money signings, dare I say. I think that's fair. You mm-hmm. know, the likes of George Grant, Tyler Walker, John Akindi, these are players that would have come in on decent money when they did um, even uh, James Wilson, for instance, when he came in from League One would have been on good money. And then mm. we would pepper those with experiment players with pepper those with players who have had injury problems mm. michael o'connor springs to mind lee frecklington springs to mind and neil Erdley, for instance as well and mm. so we had far fewer players that we'd taken a punt on whereas i think michael's trying to stretch the budget as far as possible so that one or two of the players that he's bringing in perhaps are ones that have had a bit of an injury night and mm. that's why we've got them as cheap as we have and and you think james jones was one who had had you know significant injury in the past ted bishop has had significant injury joe walsh has struggled as well these are players that if they didn't have an, an injury anywhere in their record then perhaps we wouldn't get them for the money that we did and we wouldn't have the squad that we did now mm. i think what you then hope for is that little bit of luck you hope that one or two of them are going to avoid injury and you know you look at liam bridcott thus far this season that's the sort of thing that we need. Liam Bridcock came in with an injury record and we saw that last season as well. Mm. Uh, and maybe, you know, when I said there's no such thing as bad luck with injuries, there isn't because a contributing factor here is the players that you sign. But then when you do get an injury from a player that is not particularly expected, and I'm talking Chris Maguire and Dan on Lundaloo, 
suddenly you're looking more depleted because you've got two what I would call natural injuries, but then you're carrying three or four of the sort of fifty fifty players. Hakeem's mm. another one. Hakeem's had injury problems in the past, I think, with his back potentially. And he's one that might not play Saturday Tuesday. But if he had had no injury problems and he plays Saturday Tuesday, Saturday Tuesday, Ipswich come in and pay him ten grand a week. So yeah, I, yeah. I think I think there's an element of that, but it's still frustrating. But we have yeah. some very resilient players as well. I mean, TJ's proven to be very resilient. You know, 90 minutes on the back of no preseason whatsoever. Fantastic. Anthony Scully was injured going into the season, but look how quickly he got him back. I mean, he was limping at the sponsors do that I went to on the Tuesday or Wednesday, and he played the first game of the season four, three, four days later. So, wow. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, that, that's kind of that was my my thoughts on it, you know, particularly around, um, the you know, I think for me, the, the, the one that really stood out was using Neil Early as an example there, because, you know, it was well known that he'd had significant injury problems before he came to us, but he then played every game week in, week out for, for two seasons. So it seemed like the medical staff were doing something right. But then like you say, when you, you're reading the articles and stuff like that, you, your mind does turn to is, are they doing something wrong or has something changed? And that's where I hope people don't start jumping on it and, you know, doing what people do, but you know, we'll, we'll see. But I mean, you know, overall decent win on Tuesday. Um, you say that you've not got issues with, or, you know, you don't really have a, a big problem with the, the competition i think i think ultimately you know i i wouldn't i wouldn't say that i'm somebody that would boycott the the competition because you know i like watching lincoln city play but like you i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go to the bank and watch them pay another 21s team um but at the same time i do think there need to be changes that that need to happen in that tournament um it's you know it's another discussion for for another day potentially but it's it, yeah, we, we've seen it. We've seen it a thousand times from you know everybody and and around the around the competition around the club. But I think there needs to be something that is exclusively for EFL com, uh, clubs, and that's what the EFL trophy was. But ultimately, mm. you know, mm. I well, it, it was always you know we said it before when we when we got to the final um, a few years back. We said this was the or after after the fact. Sorry, when we're looking back on it. We said that this was a way for teams to get to Wembley that wouldn't normally get a chance to do so. And while it's not happened yet, I think it's only, well, I, I personally think it's a matter of time before we get the likes of, you know, two under-21s teams going to the final. And at that point, what do you do with the competition? I'm not sure. You're right, if that happens, even if one gets to the final, the competition loses all credibility. Um, but... First of all, it's never been in you know, it was never exclusive football league competition because Halifax were non-league when they knocked us out in the days of Keith and we let non-league teams into it. And look, just, I'm going to make a couple of points, if I may, um, just as long as you're happy, Ben, for me to pick it up, because actually I've been thinking quite a lot about it um, over the last couple of days. And um, there's a few points that I, I want to make. First of all, and one of the things that people who do not go to these games say is that it's dirty money. And and let's let's talk about the prize money, 10 grand, right, for a game. It's more money than you get winning in the Carling Cup. So mm. um, Cheltenham, for instance, not Gillingham out, not the Carling Cup, whatever it's called now, Carabao Cup. 
you know, Gillingham, uh, Cheltenham, not Gillingham out. And my understanding from the uh, Accrington chairman is that they will get zero for that. Whereas we beat Manchester United kids three, two, we get 10 grand in the bank. So which is the better competition for us? Mm. Um, you know, and yes, you get Liverpool in uh, the third round of the Carabao Cup like we did last season, and it's all joy and light if you've got a full stand. But how many clubs actually get that draw? How many how many League One and League Two clubs will get a, a top five club? Maximum mm. of five, and that's if those top big clubs don't get to play other ones. So for me, it's a better competition financially. And if you say, well, it's dirty money, unfortunately, League One and League Two survive on dirty money. If you call all Premier League money dirty money, that's what the football clubs survive on. You know, without the money coming down from those clubs, for whatever reason, we wouldn't survive. And no. okay, I understand it is perhaps a little demeaning for Lincoln City to play an under 21s team, right? I buy that. But you look at the article that I did the other day about the number of debutants that we've managed that we've um, had in this competition since we came back in the football league. Sixteen. That's sixteen players who made their first Lincoln City appearance in the EFL Trophy. You could take out one or two. Ryan Orsop because of the time that he arrived. Adam Jackson um, just because again he was he missed the first game. So it's probably thirteen players that we were able to give a debut to that we would not have risked doing so in um, the football league and i think it would be much higher were it not for the fact that we gave a lot of players a debut against blackburn in the car the carabao cup i think adam crooks kellen gordon um juan luke all of those would almost certainly have made their lincoln city debut in the afl trophy had we not diminished the value of the carabao cup at the at the same time mm-hmm. so there's one benefit there was three and a half thousand people at that game the other night it's not for me and it's not for you i buy that it's not for um it's not the sort of game that uh, a hardcore solid lincoln city fan will necessarily enjoy some will some won't but there were three and a half thousand people that did now when we were playing the likes of Morecambe, telford halifax in that competition we were getting a thousand twelve hundred okay maybe in terms of a percentage it was about the same but the fact is it's three and a half thousand people that have paid 10 pound a ticket to go and watch lincoln city on a tuesday night when other people have chosen not to i know for a fact that there was people at that game and where it was their first game and the only reason they've taken their kid to watch that game is because it's manchester united under 21s and if that makes you sick in your mouth a little bit so be it because we you get the people arguing that, you know, we don't want to take little Johnny to his first match at the expense of hardcore proper fans. You know, these these plastic mums and dads. That's not how it is at all. It's another gateway into Lincoln City. There were more Manchester United under 21 fans at that game than there were Fleetwood fans at the first game of the season, our first home game of the season. That's a fact. And here's the final one for people who say we should allow non-league teams into this competition in order to give them try and bridge the gap between non-league and league two. You allow non-league teams into this competition instead of playing Manchester United under-21s who were spreading the ball about nicely, who were, it wasn't a particularly physical game despite the knobhead getting sent off at the end. <laughs> right? It wasn't. It wasn't a particularly physical game. Anthony Scully and Dan and Lundaloo were not injured in challenges, not particularly mm. nasty challenges, right? What if that was Grimsby? Fresh up from the National League and they've got Lincoln in the, in the group stages in, 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 the, in the AFL trophy. What are they going to mm. do? going to kick lumps out here what if it was dover okay it's regionalized but what if it was king's lynn what if it was somebody like that they're going to raise their game for it so it's going to be a more competitive game so you're more likely to pick up the injuries you're more likely to get a little bit of a kick in you're more likely not to want to experiment with some of the younger players so i think you know what it's just a little rant i've had because 
I get why people boycott it, and I'm not I'm not calling in them and them. I'm not I'm not kind of, you know, I'm not going to try and sit on a high horse when I didn't bother going to the game and watched it on iFollow. I'm not part of the problem, but I'm kind of I'm a hypocrite almost, aren't I? You know, I, I'm not going to. That you game, say but, you're a hypocrite quite a lot on this podcast, and it's quite amazing. <laughs> I don't mind. I'm a self-confessed hypocrite. Yeah, I am. But because no, I mean, I have... you know, I, I think, I think, I think I can, like you, I can understand where the viewpoint comes from with the competition. I can understand that, you know, there is this kind of, there is this fear that it's this insidious nature of the competition and what it could lead to down the line. And you know, it, it it's not there are things about the competition that don't sit right with me. And, you know, I think there do need to be changes, but what are they? What are the things that don't sit right with you? I just, Genuine I, don't, question. I, I, I don't like the idea that, you know, as we've said before, this was always kind of pitched as a, a way for, um, EFL clubs to potentially get a, you know, a trip to Wembley. And I don't, while it again, like I've said, while it hasn't happened, I don't like the possibility, and I don't like the the sort of underlying thing that, that that's there that says right. Well, you know, it could be Chelsea under twenty ones versus Man City under twenty ones in the final. You know, or Man United so, under twenty ones. So would you would you rather have that kind of exclusivity but not have the prize money? A group stage again I, it's it i'm not the person that needs to make these decisions and i'm no, no, glad it's, about no, 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 it's a gen- genuine question yeah it's, it's, it's a, a difficult it's a difficult one like so it's would you, it, sorry, it's what? weird because you know we obviously made quite a lot of money through the the fl trophy when we got to the final um there will be other teams that will have the same thing you know they will they will progress in the in the competition they will get you know money and i from my point of view, the only quote-unquote dirty money in football um, is if there are, you know, gambling sponsors all over everything. But that's another discussion for another day. I think we've had we've had a similar discussion before. But if you take the money from allowing the clubs in that you know that, that are coming in the under twenty ones and stuff like that, that's the rules that have been. You know, that's the kind of that's what's been put out there by the competition and that's that's fair enough but i personally it it doesn't sit right with me that there is this i don't know i i I just say you know you go back to the the semi-final when we you know we beat the chelsea under 21s we got to penalties on that like we all know that penalties are a bit of a lottery and it's like right at that point should we have been playing another efl team in that semi-final you know, should what it difference have... would it made? What difference would it have made if we played Yeovil and beat those on, them on penalties? They wouldn't have gone to Wembley. We would have done. Yeah, but it's it's this it's the idea that there you know we could see the Chelsea under twenty ones get to Wembley, and we wouldn't necessarily do it. But if there are two EFL teams in there, you know you've you've got that you've got that kind of competition that is designed for EFL teams. Let me That's, ask you a question. Who was in last year's final? Uh, blah, blah, blah. It was Portsmouth. And I can't remember who they played. There you go. So how important is it that two football league clubs get to Wembley? How high profile is it? And and to a degree, I'm almost playing devil's advocate here because that was always part of it for me. But 
you can't remember who was in the final last year. So for me... Yeah, but I can't remember who started for us on Saturday, Gary. I'm not the person to ask that question <laughs> Maybe, to. You might, you might be in the wrong industry then, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I know, what I'm saying is it's not... It, whilst it's a great thing for those that are involved, and I do, to a degree, agree with you, and, and the final actually was Sunderland and Tranmere, by the way. Portsmouth and Salford was the year before. Um, but they played the two on, on consecutive days, didn't they? That was it, yeah. I knew they played so, this year. So uh, all I'm saying, I think it was Portsmouth Sunderland the year before, because I think Portsmouth beat one penalties with Ollie yeah. Hawkins. So maybe I'm now arguing against my own point because actually I do remember the finals. But <laughs> yeah, the, when an under 21 teams gets to a final, it opens up a new argument for the people who are against the competition. And I won't argue for the inclusion of under 21s, because if there was a method for it to not have them, it would be a better competition. But the fact is it's a better competition with them in it and the prize money that you get for it than it would be for them not to be in it and whilst i respect other people's views on it i just think the way that it has now changed so that you can play i think you only need four um qualifying players so you, you know you can give players a debut to anyone anyone who's against it try telling billy brooks and sam long that it's a shit competition because they'll tell you that it wasn't try telling lee frecklington who got his debut in it that it isn't a worthwhile competition Try telling the players that have made their name in it. Zach Elbazetti, probably part of the move into the Swedish top flight, was the fact that they, they watched him tear Akron yeah. and a Mansfield apart. So what I do, I look at this competition from a Lincoln City benefit point of view. I'm, and if I'm arguing a point about Lincoln City, that's the first thing I do. I, I imagine myself as the football club. The football club is a single person and entity. And I go, what's in it for me? Because that's how you've got to look at football. It's how everybody else looks at football and i look at it and i think it's, i'm not just talking about the money now i think it is when you're not forced to play the games early and there's a problem again by the way mm. but you can play young players you can give players minutes if we've got a squad of 22 that was fit what a great opportunity it's a better opportunity than west brom doing it in the carabao cup against arsenal and getting beat 6-0 what's that going to do for their young players what's that going to do for alex palmer who makes his west brom debut and concedes six goals do you know what I mean? And they're going, oh, well, at least we've given him his debut. Oh, God, I'd rather that he got his debut against an under-21 side. At least there was yeah. 3,500 people there. So Anyway. I mean, I, I think the other thing that you mentioned there, that, that that is something there, you know, when you have you have, designate, you have designated days for the competition, and then because it's Man United, they come in and just go, I, I want to play it then. Because yeah. that's certainly what it sounded like. And that, to me, that's another thing of you know premier league under 21s teams we it just seems like it's kind of the big boys coming in and just going right well we want to do this and people saying well actually no we we want to play it you know the way that it's intended and they've kind of come in and just stuck the boot in and said right well sod it you're playing on this day now but but they had that swing with who the efl and it's the EFL that do the scheduling, not Manchester United. Yeah, so that's what I mean. Like, the, the fact yeah, that yeah, it, seems, the it seems like the EFL are buckling when... Yeah, but then, is, therefore, is that the fact? Is that Man United's fault? No. That they've but... said, we want to do it here, and Lincoln say they want to do it here, and the EFL panda. Now, I don't know. Maybe the... Uh, maybe, you know, I don't know. I don't know. But for me, I just think it's easy. Nothing's ever black and white. No. There isn't. It's not like the films. There isn't a goodie and a baddie. And, you know... Like it or not, football's changing. Like it or not, under-21 mm. teams and things like that 
happen. Big clubs stockpile players. You only have to look at the way the transfer market works now. It's it's almost like America in that you look at an EFL squad and think, well, who are their five designated loan players? That's genuinely how it feels like it works. And yeah. I don't like football changing as much as the next man, but it is. Is. So all you have to do is take the small losses, and I see the uh, Papa John's trophy as a small loss, and stand firm against what would be the big losses, which is B teams in the football pyramid, which is an absolute no. And it's always been said this competition is the gateway to that. Well, at the moment, the gates still remaining firmly closed. I don't believe there will ever be B teams in our football league structure. I really don't. I think you have more likelihood of the big clubs buggering off to a Super League. Um, than you do having B teams in the football leagues personally. So, I mean, anyway, you know, we had to move on, didn't we? Yeah, it's it's a discussion that will go on forever, and you know, I think there's there's a lot of valid points everywhere to be heard. But uh, you know, my view is is kind of similar to yours, but I I err on the side of the you know the um, in terms of going to games, my you know my views on the same side of yours, but I just a bit more on the side of you know I don't agree with. Um, under 21s in the competition but anyway right let's move on because uh, obviously the next bit of news was that James Jones has gone off to Wrexham on a permanent deal um, I think I think I said on social media that it was not a surprise that he's gone but it is a surprise where he's gone um, yeah I agree 100% yeah you know I think um he looked to be kind of the forgotten man of the squad. Um, didn't really see a place for where he'd fit in. Uh, we've got, well, we said a few weeks ago, didn't we? You know, we, we brought in that many midfielders that it looked to be, well, I don't know how many we brought in over the summer in the end, but, you know, there was that, that much talent packed into a midfield. We said last week we'd find it difficult to pick our, you know, desired three in the midfield or you know however many you want to put in there um and yeah you know james jones has uh, has, has made his move to to wrexham obviously the kind well the subject of a a very um publicity grabbing takeover deal with uh ryan reynolds and rob McElhenney over the summer um and he, he, you know, undoubtedly is going to be on a decent deal there. And they're clearly making a go of it to get back into the Football League. So I can't begrudge him at all on that, on the move. Um, it seems like it's good for all parties by the sounds of it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with your point. Surprise, no surprise that he moved. Yeah, he was one of the only fit players that we had in the squad that hadn't had a minute's action. Um, and I, I think I, I put an article out the day before saying... You know, he's almost certainly going to play in the EFL Trophy and then he leaves uh, before he gets the opportunity. Mm. And I think with James Jones, I think we saw flashes in the first six months of what he can do. But I don't think um, after October, I don't think he was ever consistent. I think he had probably two good months, um, began to tail away, certainly didn't get the, the goals or assists you expected after the. Uh, you know, he had a wonderful strike against Bradford, didn't he? And he, yeah. You know. mm. um, so he he certainly looked very good. I thought he would probably get the move to League Two. There was somebody suggested to me maybe Crew taking him back. I don't think that was ever going to happen. I could see him dropping down to League Two. I, I don't think um, he is a top half League One player. I think he could have held his own at a Cambridge or somewhere like that. But like you say, Wrexham have come in. They've obviously paid him decent money. Yeah, it's a high profile takeover. I don't have an issue with it. They've passed the fit and proper test. 
Um, mm-hmm. They're throwing money at it a little bit, and I, I think it's always you're always on a hide into nothing when you do that. I think they've got the wrong manager in there in Phil Parkinson, not a manager that I think will get them out of the National League. Paul Mullin, I don't think he'll score 25 goals for them this season. I'll tell you one thing: James Jones will be one of the best midfielders in that at that level if he stays mm-hmm. fit. Um, he'll certainly help them to a better league position than they would have. I wish him all the best. Nice guy, really nice guy as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I I I'd never met him, but I think from reports and everything else, he seems like he's you know nice and you know, grounded, down to earth, and hopefully, you know, it's a good move for him, and he can uh, prove what he's he's capable of. Um, but yeah, I think he's gonna he's gonna rip that league apart. <laughs> no, I don't think he'll rip it apart. I think he'll be a good player. I don't think he'll rip it apart. Okay. Because I don't think there's that much difference. Um, in the quality at the at the top of that and the uh, the very worst teams in our division and we saw it when we were up there and we beat Oldham three two you know the on their day a team in that division could be a team at the bottom of our division no problem at all um, and and I think some of the footballers in that division are League One quality and I think some of the footballers in League One would struggle I think he'll be all right for Exxon but. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think I might be wrong, but I don't think that he will go and rip it apart. But I could be proven wrong because I said the same thing about Macaulay Bond when he went to Leighton Orient and he did rip it apart. So, there we go. I am wrong at times. (laughs) I'm going to get that on a T-shirt with your face on it. You'd Uh, love a T-shirt with my face on it. Just as long as it says underneath it, I can be wrong at times. Yeah, you just, the fact is, the headline there is you want a T-shirt with my face on it. The slogan is, it, it, nobody reads slogans. <laughs> I mean, you just, do. I don't, I don't read. If someone's got a T-shirt, if I, want to, if I want to read, I get a book. I don't go out and look at somebody's T-shirt. No read slogans. <laughs> if I'm not going to read a T-shirt because I can read a book. Yeah. Oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. You don't read T-shirts. Stop being facetious, Gary. Um... Anyway, it's nearly tomorrow. It's nearly tomorrow. It is 20 to 9, Gary. (laughs) Um, Next up, what's next on your list, Ben? Next up, uh, I think that's about it in terms of what's happened during the week. So shall we look ahead to Oxford? I thought we were going to talk about something that's happened tonight. Yes, we were going to talk about something that's happened tonight, actually. I'm blaming the painkillers. There was uh, obviously talk. We mentioned it briefly in our frantic wrap-up of last week um about brandon hanlon um was seemingly uh the target of interest from from the imps and it's been confirmed today as we record that he's gone to wickham um and i put on social media that it was a bit of a kick in the swingers and gary wants to dispute that because of course he does no no i don't want to dispute it i think it's a (laughs) great point it's a great point to pick up on because we will only know if that really is as you so eloquently put it a kick in the swingers if uh, and is that like a kick in a husband and wife that occasionally go around to see another husband and wife and swap beds could you kick them yeah um so anyway (laughs) hindsight will only tell you whether it is or not because there are two things here that have happened one we've missed out on brandon hanlon ouch it's a kick in the swingers two we haven't matched their valuation we've got other targets and come tuesday we'll get somebody in 
now this is going this is thursday we're recording nearly midnight um but it'll be out tomorrow <laughs> it'll be out on friday <laughs> yeah so, you see the thing is you say it's nearly midnight do you know how long that gives me to edit the podcast down and get it all right so you should appreciate this i do appreciate you ben i just don't let you know i'll get you a t-shirt <laughs> with my face on it how about that yeah <laughs> and a slogan that nobody will read um <laughs> which is a little bit like my books really um anyway so what was i saying yeah Tomorrow's Friday. Undoubtedly, when I make my next statement, something will happen before the, the podcast comes out that proves us completely wrong. But Lincoln City and Strikers over the past five, it's been the only bugbear, hasn't it? Mm. And, and you look back to the year where Ollie Hawkins was apparently here and had a medical and then went off to sign for Portsmouth. So we switched to Simeon Akinola and we all know where that turned out. Yep. The, the year that we wanted Tyler Walker and we got John Akindi and, and on paper it looked great but it was a little bit like Steve Tilson coming in as manager wasn't it it was a little bit of a you know he looks brilliant on paper um but Big John wasn't really I think what we expected even though he did have qualities uh you look at um when we got Liangle that year when everybody thought we were going to get Danny Hilton and Liangle popped up for a second time and, and so actually if it's that situation ouch yeah they're missing out on brandon handler might be a problem and i did a stats breakdown on brandon handler on the website the other day and actually i thought he had a lot to add to uh, the squad but there's a lot of bristol rovers reaction saying you know in front of goalies like bambi he's got a first touch like a road sweeper shovel or whatever not road sweeper they have a brush but you know what i mean <laughs> um so actually there's quite a lot of negativity around them as well so i think had he signed people would have gone wow that's underwhelming they might have been wrong uh, but that's what they would have done come tuesday maybe it's the like the transfer window where we got tyler walker because that was the one where we actually landed the striker that everybody wanted us to land so will we get to tuesday and have landed let's say somebody like somebody who is going to play center forward and who will score you 15 20 goals a season potentially I actually don't think that our gaping, screaming need is a centre-forward. I think we need to, because we need cover for Tom Hopper. But I think people are looking at it as we're going to sign somebody that's going to play 46 games. Well, not now, obviously. So 35, 40 games for us as a number nine. We're not. We're not. And I say that knowing that by the time this comes out, we probably will have done. But in my, in my opinion, <laughs> they're not. I'll tell you what the pressing need is. The pressing needs out wide. Because at the moment, we haven't got a winger like Brennan Johnson or Morgan Rogers. We haven't got somebody that will get on the ball, that will travel 30, 40 metres forward, that can beat a player, that can make the runs into the area and be fouled. That's the type of player we need. And if we just signed Tom Hopper, to, actually, I'd be happy with that. Because we would have a replacement then for Tom. It'd be nice if they had slightly different attributes so we could go 4-4-2 or so that we could have somebody a little bit more forward thinking. But we're not going to sign the number nine who's going to take over from Tom Hopper and Tom's going to sit on the bench. That ain't going to happen. And if you're sat there, if you're listening to this now and you think that we're going to make a marquee sign-in on Tuesday with somebody who's scored 20 goals a season for the past three years or somebody that's coming out of an academy and he's worth 10 million, ain't going to happen. There you go. That's why I wanted us to talk about Brandon Hamlin, because we've got to have managed expectations. We need a wide player. That's what we need. No, no, it's fair. I mean, like, you know, I think it's it's like you said, we've always been 
I'm sure I've said it on here before. It seems to be that, you know, day follows night, you know, sun rises in the east and sets in the west and Lincoln City are looking for a striker on deadline day. That's always been the way. But it's it's interesting that you've, you know, you, you put that across there and said that it's not that we are desperate for that player. And I think it's it's kind of been proven over the past few seasons where, you know, we, we haven't relied. I mean, I, I, I'm struggling to remember the last time that we relied on a single player to get all of our goals. Tyler Walker. Well, no, because I, he, he went back in January. And we still did. We still did all season right. Season ended in March. That's very true. Actually, forgot about that. <laughs> um, but you know, we didn't rely on him exclusively to score goals. We still had goals coming in from all over the pitch. But yeah, but you never have. You never ever have a football club who rely exclusively on one player for their goals. You still get. You still have people who score goals, don't you? You know what I mean? Like Charlie White scored however many, but you still had the likes of McGeady and players like that chipping in with goals. I, I'm. I don't think I'm phrasing it very well. You know what I mean, though. Like we, we've always been a team, particularly over the past few years, that you you don't necessarily point at one player and go, "That's the goal scorer." Like, yes, Tyler Walker came in and did score quite a few, but you still had other players that would you would back it up. And I, I don't think. I don't. I. I okay. Quick question. Not, then. They're not. They've not run away with the goal scoring tally. Is what I'm saying. So Tyler Walker scored four to 16 in all competitions, but we'll say 14 in the league because it's easier for me to add up. Who was the next highest? I know the answer and I'm cheating a bit. But OK, better, better question. How many did the next highest get? See, I, I thought it was I thought it was in the teens or, you know, just about getting into the teens. Five. Really? John Akindi scored five, two of those in one game, by the way, against Bolton as he, when he came on, and Harry Anderson scored five. Other than that, nobody got more than two that season in the league. Tyler Walker, 14. Toff got one. Shaxon Scully got two. Jack Payne got two. O'Connor Lewis and Tyrone John Jules got one. Tyrese John Jules, Hopper two. Hesketh one. Grant two. Bridcut one. Boswick one. Andrade one. And then Anderson and Akindi on five. Akindi actually got eight, but he scored three in the EFL trophy. Um, Harry Anderson scored seven, but he scored two in the League Cup. Wow. Well, I misremembered that quite a bit then. <laughs> it's easily done. Yeah, but but I, I, I know that. I only know that because Tyler Walker actually was the difference between us staying up that season. And yeah. you know, I don't think we're in that sort of position where we're going to be struggling to stay up. And, and funnily enough, we're going to go on to our Oxford preview. And I'm going to talk about the value of having a striker um, who gets shots on target. And, yeah, kind of goes against what I've just said. But I think it's more our style that means that Tom doesn't get as many shots on target. I think it's mm. the way we play. And that's why I say we need the wide players. Because actually, to kind of prove your point, this Lincoln City side relies on goals from all, all over. And you, if your striker only gets nine or eight, but every other player around him gets five or six apiece, you're in just the same position as if you've got one player who scores 20. Mm. I've said that before on the pod. And I think that that was that was where my mind was at, is that I, well, I said genuinely misremembered that, um, the, the you know, stats from that season. But like, to my mind, we've always been 
particular, say particularly recently, that kind of team that would, you know, not necessarily rely on on one player to to get the goals and to, you know, to push the team forward. We, we've always had, you know, in my opinion, the, the that uh, sort of strength in numbers. You know, where you'd have George Grant chipping in with a bunch. You know, you'd have uh, the the wingers coming in with, you know, it's. It's something that will, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see. But uh, let's move on to Oxford then. Um, how do you see it going? Because obviously it's going to be a difficult one, particularly if those injury numbers are as high as they were on Tuesday, which I'm fairly certain we don't think they will be. Yeah, I'm going to um, I'm going to really concentrate on this because actually we we got admonished a little bit on Twitter and correctly so for skipping over the preview because a couple of listeners messaged me and said actually we tune in for the preview would have been really nice if you'd done one uh, and, and they're quite right so before we talk about us let's talk about Oxford because you hear the word Oxford you think playoff chasing established League One side um, they've got two wins this season in the league they beat mm-hmm. Charlton at home and crew at home so they've won they've only played two home games uh from from six and they've won both of them um they drew with Cambridge on the opening day not a fantastic result they drew with Burton in the EFL Cup and went through I think on penalties yeah not a great result lost to Bolton we've been there as well so actually they've had a, a mediocre start to the season and you would like to think had we played certainly crew at home we would have beaten them um they beat bolton beat them 2-1 at the weekend crew uh, oxford rather actually dominated the first half in that game uh they were they were massively on top uh, i think they scored first through matty taylor bolton got their foot in the door just before half time uh, and then in the second half it was it was pretty much all bolton and we saw that when we played them i think they rode the storm a little bit with us we were decent in the first half and then they came out as a different side so mm-hmm. um very little has changed for oxford and i'm not i can't work out whether i think they are stronger or weaker than last season because for instance they lost uh, the center back rob atkin I'm not sure at the moment whether they've replaced him adequately. Gavin White has gone back there on loan. He was on loan at Hull last season. I really like White. He's one player that I think could could be a serious player in League One. They've got Steve Seddon as well, who I've always kept an eye on. He was at Birmingham, um, and and I think he spent time on loan at Wimbledon as well. So I like him. They line up in a 4-3-3, so it's going to be pretty much like for like. Their midfield three is more or less the same as last season. So they've got Cameron Brannigan, very, very good midfielder at this level. They've got Alex Corin, who is hard as nails, real tough tackling player. Mark Sykes has come over from Ireland, I like as well. And I think the the difference could be the fact that they've got uh, Matt Taylor up front. Uh, and Taylor is a player who failed to impress me when we played at their place last season. I think... Uh, it's fair to say, and yet he scored for them. Um, He's a player who will get plenty of shots on goal. He will win plenty of aerial duels. Uh, and he, you know, he's, he's a, not a target man centre forward as much, but he has that kind of feel about him. So keeping him quiet is going to be very interesting. But I think when you match up sort of pound for pound, player for player, um, both Oxford and Lincoln are still in a position where we're looking at our squads going. As fans, you're looking at the squads and kind of going, well, I'm not sure how much better we are than last season. You know, this player is certainly very good, but is this player any better than that player? Do you know what I mean? So mm. 
Yeah, it's a tough game on paper, but I'm not sure that their run of results, uh, even though they've, they've kind of got two wins and a draw in the league, I'm not sure that it's it's an indication just yet. I mean, even when you look at their bench, I like Nathan Holland. Mark McGuane was at Barcelona once, but he's not really settled. And they've still got John Massinho on the bench, who's kind of been there as long as, as anybody. He's been there as long as the imp's been in the cathedral, I think. So, <laughs> so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. They've got a decent front three. They're an experienced side, White, Winnell and Taylor. Um, so I, yeah, I'm not quite sure. Uh, it's a game that I expect us to go and win. But I don't think I expect us to get beat quite as much as some people do. I think some people look at it, know that we've been to Oxford twice in the last two years or whatever, got beaten on both occasions. I think people who look at it just go, we'll get bugger all from Oxford. Actually, if our injury situation is looking a little bit more favourable at the weekend, if you know the players that were left out are fit, if we've got, and we'll talk about it, if we play maybe Ioma at left centre-back and Jackson at right centre-back and Eden and Paul, and you've got Bridcott and hopefully Bishop mm. fit with McGrandles, Tom Hopper up top, Scully on one flank, Adelica maybe on the other. I actually think it's a game that we can take something from. I really do. Yeah. I mean, again, that, that's, you know, that, that kind of goes back to to what we've said beforehand, you know, if everybody's fit, I think this is going to be a, a strong team. And, you know, we'll, the more things go on, I think hopefully we'll have, you know, uh, kind of stamped out some of these sloppy mistakes in training and, and figured out, you know, well, we need to just watch this here, watch this there. And communication, I think, is probably a bigger thing as well. Um, it, it looked to me, just going back to Saturday, it looked to me like there was a bit of a miscommunication that led to led to the goal and I think if they can just get that sorted I think really if you look at how many goals we've conceded this season and how many of those have been from our own doing I think it's uh, you know there's been a lot more goals that we wouldn't normally concede had the concentration levels been a bit higher and you know things like that so I'm looking forward to it not least because it's going to be my first away day in about two years I think but it's um yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good, good game. Um, I just what I just hope they don't win because I don't really like Carl Robinson. No, he's a knob. <laughs> you know, I, I I've got a lot of respect for Oxford as a as a team, and you know, I like some of the football they played. And there's obviously some, you know, fans in uh, not kind of high profile places in terms of you know the podcast that we listen to and things like that. But I just don't like Carl Robinson. I think he's a dick. Um, and I, I just hope that we don't lose or give him an excuse that he's going to then sit and whinge about for six months. Um, he did but, last year, didn't he? He whinged about the changing rooms when he came last year. Yeah, and so yeah, we, it's a port cabin, mate. It's COVID. Like, this is this is how it is for everybody. But... Oh dear. Hashtag anyway, never forget. <laughs> um, hashtag Lincoln City are a disgrace. Um, although that was MK. So anyway. Yeah, I think, um, I'd like to say, I think it's going to be a tough game. Um, I'd love to see us come away with something, particularly as it's, it might just put a plug in some of the uh, gobs of people that are just ranting and raving at the minute and saying that we're crap when we're really not. Like, we've had a couple of bad results. You know, it doesn't define the season. It's not going to, you know, it, a, a point here or there, as we saw last season, might end up being... You know the difference between going up and going, well, staying down next season, or even going up and going down and staying up. But you know, it's going to be 
that's going to be a, a, a long season, so let's you know, keep yourself strapped to him. But I think the one good thing I would say is get this out of the way, and we've got a week long break. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that's obviously something that we did we didn't mention is the Rotherham game's been postponed. Um, uh, it's been postponed to the fourteenth, I believe. Is it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Something so it's, like the, that. it's that Tuesday night. So um, Michael will be delighted. Yes. Yeah, I mean It'll it's uh, it's it's a bit of a ball like for. Is it what? Sorry. Is it ten days break then? Yes. Or is it? Is it even more? It's, we play Tuesday, don't we, against Bradford in uh, the Papa John's Trophy, and then yep. which we won't preview because th- there's no point in previewing those games. Um, yeah. And then I think it's eleven day break to Cambridge away. Yeah, no, that's that's right. Yeah, so we won't have any uh, any games for the first eleven days of September. So there we go. No. And then we play two home games then in four days, Rotherham and Ipswich. So yeah, two home games. There's only two home games between now and the beginning of October, and they're in the space of four days. Yeah. So So we will only have played four home league games by the first week of October. That's interesting when you think that last year we didn't kick off until the 5th of September and we, by the first week in October, mm. we'd already played four home games in all competitions. Yeah. Kicking off a month later. Yeah. No, that's crazy. So, that's, uh, anyway. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so um, I think that's that's pretty much it for Oxford. That's pretty much it for things this week. So talk to me about poo sticks, Gary. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. <laughs> right, so first of all, I found out what poo sticks are because there was a thing on the link night where it looked like they were doing some sort of duck race and they were throwing rubber ducks into the river and then whoever's came out at a certain point won the duck race and somebody put, oh, it's just like poo sticks. I was like, not the poo sticks I used to play, it's not. So I googled poo sticks. Apparently it's where you drop sticks in the river and then whoever stick gets to a certain point first wins. Like for me, when I was growing up, poo sticks was you got a stick, found dog poo, <laughs> put your stick in dog poo, and then chased people around with it and tried not to get dog poo on you. That's genuinely what I thought poo sticks were. <laughs> That's called being a grubby little shit. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it just is what it is. There used to be a lot more dog poo around when when we were kids. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Well, maybe when you were a kid. Uh, uh, yeah, they, they introduced these things called bins before I was born. Um, well, you should maybe go and get in one then. <laughs> no, just, um, just, it, it just did make me wonder. By the way, I wasn't a I wasn't a poo sticks regular. I probably played it once, maybe twice. <laughs> not like I was a world champion at poo sticks. Well, no, because you were thinking of a completely different uh, game slash sport. I was thinking of shit, shit sticks. Oh, no, no, sorry, that's Drew Broughton. <laughs> but uh, no, I always, um, you know, I've always associated poo sticks of throwing something off a bridge, running over to the side of the bridge and seeing which one wins. Doesn't um, work if you play it with a fridge, by the way. No, I can imagine it wouldn't. I mean, for a start, you'd have to throw a fridge over the side of the River. River? Bridge. No. Bridge. I think it's time to finish. 
Yeah, it is. I'm starting to feel a little bit. Uh, a bit like My alarm's going to be going off any minute for the morning. So such a twat. <laughs> Such a twat. But uh, yes, that is uh, that is going to do us for this week's episode of the Social West Podcast. Um, thank you to the people that uh, that came up to me after the last few home games. By the way, it was uh, it was very strange but very nice. Um, I was also stopped uh, as I was running up to my seat um, after getting in, you know, late for the after the TJ reveal, and uh, somebody took me sort of just tapped me on the shoulder and said uh, are you Ben I was like yes so you know thank you it does mean a lot and it's uh, you said that last week Ben did I we say that last week? Yeah, we no I think I said no I said that to you last week I didn't say it on the pod really I thought you said that I thought you said it on the pod no I don't think I did but anyway yeah either uh, way it, yeah, yeah I, I like it I love it as well it's nice that people th- feel that we keep them informed so yeah um, yeah thank you to everybody who listens yeah it's it's nice to know that you know everybody's got their own sort of pre-match ritual and stuff like that. And it sounds like, you know, some people include me and you wittering on about sticks and dog poo about that as well. So maybe fewer uh, will do it for the next <laughs> match, given the quality of tonight's episode. Uh, you know, it's been all right. I mean, I, I didn't think, uh, I didn't think one was, uh, one recently was particularly great. And then somebody said they really, really enjoyed it. So, uh, you know, what we deem as a good episode may not necessarily be the case, but uh, we shall see. And uh, we will hopefully um, have a few good points to talk about this time next week when we get together and do episode 138. So uh, we'll see you guys next week. Up the imps. Up the imps. the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.